0: One thing that I'm taking is to think about what could I do as an individual? What could I do perhaps with my organization to create that space you're creating here? I'm gonna keep that in the forefront of my mind Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna think about what I personally can do and what my organization can do.
1: Try this bad boy to emphasize. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders, different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation.
2: There we go. We are live. We are happening. John Bates is in the house. Woohoo. My friend, such a privilege to have you here on the table, on the decision table, where we just have conversations like we do and instead we just uh end up pressing a live button and the world gets to hang with us a little.
0: That sounds good. I mean, I think it's <laughs> what we need a little a little bit more of, you know.
2: Yeah. Don't you think that, I I don't know about you, but I have noticed that, you know, we we seem to talk about all the things that are happening that are falling apart and the Mm -hmm. challenges that are all hitting the world, but we're not seeing lots of conversations around solutions. And I think because there's a gap between the problem and the solution and part of that is having a new conversation.
0: I think that is exceedingly well said. And I think that along the lines of what you're saying, what we've all been through, you know, the global pandemic and everything that it brought, I believe that that has accelerated certainly negative trends. And it's also accelerated some positive trends, you know, and I think finally, one of the big, you know, one of, One of my favorite things to say about this, because I think both sides are so true and so relevant, both pieces of this, we are all in the same storm. And I actually wrote an article months and months ago about, you know, because I train the astronauts, I get to talk with them a lot, and Mm. they always talk about the overview effect and that experience of getting that it is one world. And I think that this global pandemic has been an opportunity to have an overview effect moment for all of us. We, we get how interconnected we are and how, you know, viruses don't respect borders. They don't respect classes. They don't respect, you know, it's just a virus. And at the same time, we're in the same storm. We're not in the same boat. Mm. And the difference between the nicest boats and the worst boats that's a huge difference, you know?
2: Oh my goodness. There's so much we can break down from that. Okay. So firstly, one world, what do you mean by that?
0: Well, I mean, you know, this is planet earth, right? And it is our, it is our, it's the only thing. And I'm all about exoplanets and I love studying space (laughs) and I read science fiction, but you know, I'll tell you what, even the most rosy outlook of getting humanity to exist by moving beyond earth is far-fetched at best, uh, especially right now. Like if Mm -hmm. we blow it in the next few years and mess this thing up completely, we'll never make it to the point where that's even a hope, you know? So that's the first part for me is just like the, 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 the ecosystem, the environment, like this is our life support system. This is, our, you know, and And I do wish that I mean, I wish there were were some way we could all have that experience of seeing that because they always talk about that, that colorful blue jewel that is so unbelievably beautiful hanging in the midst of this utter blackness. Hmm. And that's it. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's no plan B for what we do if we mess up Earth. So. You know, that's what I mean on the most fundamental yeah. level. And then I think that, uh, look, I understand the 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 need for national borders. And I understand, you know, I, like I get all that stuff. And at the same time, mm. the virus doesn't respect the border. You know, when you're up there in the space station yeah. looking down, it's not like there's lines between yeah. each country, you know. Yes, that's that's all an overlay. And it's a useful political overlay. And, you know, there's there's aspects to that that are good. But there's also the fact that it's just one planet, you know, and and the the CO2 emissions and the methane, I guess you guys would say methane (laughs) emissions like they don't s- stop at the border. I just think methane sounds kind of
2: cool. <laughs> it does, but I always get torn off because I like the way you guys say things so much more than I do, that's and funny. so I end up trying to sound like you guys because I I love the sound of it. It's like that sounds so much more sexy, methane. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should um, just know-
0: keep talking because I love I love your accent, and if you, well, there like you go, mind, so then that's exactly. awesome. <laughs> we're
2: all good. That's why we're good mates. Here's the thing that I find interesting. I got invited, uh, and this was, you know, before the pandemic hit the world. So it sort of got put on hold, but I got invited as a, to go onto a board as an advisor around a global advisor around, uh, and, and I just thought this was hilarious because I was always, you know, you, you know, I work with global leaders and so, um, I went intergalactic. So really what they were wanting me to do was to go onto this, um, this board that talked around bringing resources, A, from space but back to Earth and then Earth to space and things like that. And I thought that was a, such an interesting concept because I don't know that we're even doing it well here on Earth and now we're looking at doing it in in places like space and other planets and I'm like, that's where do we even start when it comes to concepts around like that? And if we yeah. start mining there or, um, you know, like, what are we going to do there? Like
0: yeah.
2: feels full on. Any thoughts around that?
0: You know, it is pretty full on. And my first thought is that, you know, I, it's weird. Cause I'm not a, I'm not fully a conservative, you know, in the, in this true sense of the word, but there is this part of me that just like, I guess maybe I'm more of a conservationist maybe would be the way I say it. Like I don't want to cut down rainforest and, you know, and I don't even want to like make big marks on the moon. I think it's pretty cool the way it is, but at the same time, I, as we move forward here, we're consuming resources on earth at a rate that is utterly unsustainable. And to do that, we're destroying our living ecosystem. If we could figure out a way to snag an asteroid and get a bunch of, I mean, you know, I I haven't heard that there are precious metals or, you know, precious earth metals on asteroids. But if there were, that'd be way better than digging gigantic holes in the rainforest to get to them. And if there were a way to, snag some of that in you know stuff that's flying around or even bring it back from the moon and that would save us from having to destroy ecosystems on earth i'd be pretty into that and i don't know i don't know what the energy requirements are what the what the you know whether that's ever something that could actually pay back but i think it probably is and i think that's pretty interesting you know
2: What what I loved about it was the fact that instead of, okay, we're going to be doing all these things on space, that they're thinking about putting some things in place now. And, you know, all of last month, my theme on the decision table was around the the need for a new approach to leadership. I think there's a lot of what we can learn through the seasons that we're going through uh, that we go, never going to do that again. Okay, I've learned from that. I'm going to take that piece in. I I don't know that everyone's really good at doing this. And I, so what I found interesting about the going back to that space example was at least they were wanting to have these conversations before they sort of it blew up as an emergency.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So a little, a little good preparation certainly seems to have been a lesson through this one. And I think we all have relatives that we at least heard of maybe we didn't get to meet them or maybe we did meet them maybe we grew up with them who went through the the great depression yeah. you know um it that affected them right like they <laughs> live differently because of that and and i think that perhaps we will too and i think one of the things that could be an an excellent outcome from this would be a realization of how much we do need each other and the power of cooperation and and um, you know throwing off some of the things that get in the way of that and and even more just appreciating that mm. I mean think how nice it is going to be when you and I get to sit down in person Ugh. and have dinner. And smile and laugh at each other across the table. Like it gives me goosebumps to my Yeah, me angles. too. I was just kidding. Yeah. That. <laughs> you know, we're never going to take that yeah. for granted the way we did.
2: But here's the thing. So I love that piece. I love that you know that all I'm about is collaboration and the collective mm. because I know that we are more uh, powerful in bringing impact when we join our resources, our, uh, you know, the learnings that we have and are mm. able to then develop things from that. Yeah. It sounds so good in theory. And I'm finding myself saying this so much lately. It sounds so good in theory because it is. Mm. Logically, it kind of makes sense, yet not many are doing it or it isn't. Like I have been looking for great examples across the globe of amazing collaborative ecosystems. Mm. There are some, don't get yep. me wrong. There are definitely some, but they are very far and few between and I look at it and I go how can we build this out as a framework so that we can actually do this in much more effective ways.
0: Well, you know, when when the internet, I got on the internet in 1987. at UCLA. I worked at the first ever Macintosh computer lab that was connected to the internet in the world, just Mm. pure pure luck. And um, I remember the day it really hit me in late 87 or maybe early 88, what the internet was going to mean. Mm. And I, I just, I couldn't stop talking about it. You know, it's like standing up and freeing our thumbs, man. I mean, this is like discovering fire. Like we're a collaborative species and this is going to allow us to collaborate on a whole new level. And you know, I had no idea. I wasn't thinking nearly enough about the downside. You know, it does turn out though, that the internet is a Scorpio. It was born on my birthday, (laughs) October 27th. So it's an early Scorpio, but I think we're seeing, the impact of the of the internet being a Scorpio, but that
2: okay, that's a new. I have not thought of it quite that way before. I have
0: to. <laughs> but uh, but the collaborative possibilities, and then you know what happened just now. What I what we are living through as we talk. Yes. In it, e-commerce grew about one percent a year for like the past 20 years. Then the pandemic hit and it grew a decades worth of growth, 10 points of growth. Yeah. in in 8 weeks. That's why this all feels like it happened so fast cuz it freaking did. It's a decade of growth in 2 weeks, 8 weeks, 2 months. And so we are obviously experiencing growing pains. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And And there are all kinds of downsides. And I still remain hopeful that we can do just what you're saying. Put together, you know, figure out better ways to collaborate on a larger Mm -hmm. scale. I think it'll be a combination of in person and virtual with much better, you know, heavy lifting through virtual and then whatever we need in person. And, you know, sorry, this is a really long thought, but can I finish this oh, That's
2: This is what this is about. Okay. I think that, no, can I just say something? Yeah. Part of what we're trying to do here is just have conversation where we are evolving as we're having this conversation, right? Yeah. Because this is part of what evolving is doing, going, we don't know all the answers, but we are starting to ask questions and evolve with that. So keep yeah. going. You've got so, all okay. this time.
0: Okay, because this, you know, I think so all of that Mm. and recently i read one of the most interesting books that i've read and and i'll tell you a quick story before i tell you the book of a number of years ago i was at a conference Mm. and i met this guy and we were talking i thought he was very cool and um he worked with dogs and things and his name's brian Hare. and i you know in our conversation I I heard that he was into evolutionary biology and stuff. And I said, oh, my gosh, I just read the most amazingly cool thing. I just read this paper about how human beings are the Mm -hmm. only primates with whites in our eyes. Yes. And we're one of the only animals with whites in our eyes. And it turns out we evolved whites in our eyes in order to better understand what each other were thinking so that we could collaborate better. No and way. if you and if you sit in front of any other primate mm. and you go like this and you put like what they want under one bowl and and nothing under the other one and then you show them with your eyes where it is, mm. you know, you look at the one that has yeah. the thing, they don't get it. Now, no. what's a side note, dogs get it because dogs have evolved with us for 50,000 years. And if you look at dogs, the cutest ones You see a little bit of the whites in their eyes, even though they don't show as much as ours, right? Now, the other thing that's interesting is this is not a variable trait. You don't know. It's not like most people have whites in their eyes. Everybody has whites in their eyes. And that is so fascinating to me, right? It's so that Um, we can see where each other are looking, better understand what each other are thinking and better collaborate. And he looked at me and he said, well, John, that's actually my theory. (laughs) I was like, no way. And he's like, yes, yes. It's called the cooperative eye gaze theory. You can go find it. So now several years later, he has come out with a book and it's called survival of the friendliest. (laughs) And it turns out that fitness is not the biggest, strongest, meanest it's all about the, 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 the nicest, the friendliest. And what happened is in the, in the Paleolithic era, there were lots of, a number of other human species. There were Denisovans, there were Neanderthals. You know, I got some mm. Neanderthal in me, um, you know, and humans, uh, you know, Homo sapiens. And in the Upper Paleolithic, something happened. And all of a sudden... Homo sapien went everywhere and all the other ones died out. Hmm. And it turns out that it is a very, there's a very good probability that what happened is we got better at being friendly to each other and cooperating. Boom. So like, it's not like it's just something that we, you know, it's not a nice to have. This is what made us what we are, and it's it's in us. Now, here's the downside, and then I'll stop talking for a minute. That no, keep talking, I love it. Right. That's what you here for? That that amazing chemical. That neurotransmitter oxytocin, right? Yes. The love hormone, right? Yeah. That that's the one that you know, like when a mom's n- nursing her baby, they're both flooded with oxytocin. When we give each other a hug, yeah. we have a handshake, oxytocin, it's the bonding chemical. Now, here's the downside that we're experiencing now because we're at scale. That same hormone. It turns out is the hormone that allows us to just completely turn off seeing people that we, number one, feel threatened by and number two, think of as outsiders. That's where that's where genocides come from.
2: Yeah.
0: It's also. Oxytocin. It just shuts off every bit of prefrontal cortex humanity that we see in the others, right? Mm. And if you look at political speech, particularly in the United States, but across the world, it is very illuminating to start looking for and noticing dehumanizing speech. That is not okay.
2: Yeah.
0: It is not okay we can disagree we've
2: got so much of it happening though
0: well you know it's very powerful it's a great way to bond this group against that group but then you see things like that you know the policeman being beaten to death with an american flag Mm. and that other policeman being crushed in the door right because they were the other they had been dehumanized and so that entire group, their oxytocin was bonding them to each other and making them treat the the people that were not in that in-group like they weren't human. Yeah.
2: You know what's so powerful about that in a really negative way, of course, is that it does bond people together so strongly. Right. What if we switch that around and instead of it doing the negative, it was doing the positive. Well, How, thing, and what would that look like, right?
0: Well, This is why every science fiction writer does their thing of, you know, aliens attacking earth, right? Because the yeah. minute that aliens attack us, we bond as a planet, yes. right? Well, okay. Look, if aliens did what we're doing to our planet, if it was someone, if it was, you know, someone else yeah. from off planet, we, we would never let them do this, right? Are you kidding? Dumping all this stuff, toxins into our oceans and right. Like, I don't know how we get aliens to attack us, but that's kind of what we need. But isn't this what the
2: virus is in kind of a way? Isn't this an alien that is attacking our humanity right now? And when are we going to realize that this can either make us or break us? You know, there's a whole lot of, and there's so much conversation around it right now. You know, I'm constantly listening to all, I think we have to listen to all. We don't just listen to someone that says just one thing because that is scary because we're only – and that's why I always talk about having different distinctions at the decision table. We have to listen to all aspects because when we use different lenses, we are actually – going to um, gain different perspectives, maybe something we haven't thought about, maybe something that hasn't been relevant to us but absolutely affects someone else. Yes. When we come to that and we look at it and we look at this pandemic, it is so easy to become the normal hurt mentality. In other words, because someone in a system has said to us, okay, this is what you've got to do. This is how you've got to do it. We don't question it. We don't have conversations around it. And we don't, you know, have or make the tough calls that often can be difficult because it's uncomfortable. We might disagree with each other at the table. It might look different to how when we do it normally. It might need change to happen at the table. And so instead we tend to go with, with where the majority are going. And sometimes that's because the person at the top has the loudest voice.
0: Yeah. Well, and Carrie Marie, like, that's why I love what you're doing here, right? Mm. It's real people having a real conversation.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think that, you know, I do tons of leadership communication stuff. So that means I do a lot of presentation coaching and speaker yeah. coaching and all that kind of stuff. And social anxiety is a real thing, you know? And look, it makes sense. You know, if you said something, if you got noticed by the group back in the day and they decided to throw you out because they didn't like what you said, you would die. (laughs) That's why public speaking scares people so Mm. much. Right. But, and that I think is why there's been such a move to things like, Twitter and Facebook and social media, because this social anxiety of saying stuff there is much lower. However, we've got that, that phenomenon that I call dogs behind fences, Mm. right? Like, I mean, okay. Open the gate and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But people say stuff there in that social media realm that they would never say in person. And, and it's a, it's it allows us to very easily, I mean, it starts out almost dehumanizing us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that we, we've, we've got to bring back some mental rigor. We've got to bring back the ability to have nuanced conversations that won't fit in 140 characters. We've got to be willing to listen to the entire thread of the idea instead of pulling out the one word or the little segment that offends us. And, you know, I've been saying for a while that I don't think you can create a safe space with what you ban people from saying. I think the only way you can create a truly safe space is with the quality of the listening in that Mm, space.
2: I like that. Mm.
0: So I, and, and and like you, I'm going out of my way to seek the opinions and get the perspectives of people that I definitely don't agree with on a lot of things. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, one of my dearest friends on earth is this, is this guy I know in Ireland. I mean, and he's a soul brother, you know, Mm. and, we have very different political views and we feel very differently about a lot of things. And we've been talking through the pandemic about what, you know, his perspective on things and mine. And I feel like it's made my perspective richer and more valuable. And I still don't fully agree with him, but I have a a much richer perspective from it. And I think he does too.
2: Yeah. So here's the thing. We have a different conversation and maybe we don't agree at the table. All good. But then how do we bring that into collaborative things? Well, I I like what Tanya said here. She said, uh, woohoo to Scorpios first. People talk (laughs) a lot about collaboration. and And she said, but do they know how to truly collaborate? And I think that... You know, we know we've got to have these uncomfortable conversations and we know that we're not necessarily going to agree at the table yet we need to be all at that table. Here's well, uh, and uh, well, how do we now take that uncomfortable conversation where we don't agree to then build things that collaborate.
0: Boy, it's a really good question and I think that although it's not it's not the it's not the place we should end this conversation. I think the place to start that is with what doesn't work. Cause we definitely know that. Yeah. And I think that it just doesn't work to demonize people with different ideas. Yeah. I think that, you know, I look at the discourse in the United States right now and uh, both sides just demonize the other side, yeah. you know, you, it's not like, it's not, Hey, I think this, Hey, I think this, Oh, I disagree with you. Oh, we should do this and some argument. And then we kind of compromise like compromise has never been a more attractive word in my life. Maybe I'm just getting old, but I I think compromise is fabulous. Uh, from this perspective now at, at my age, being through what we've been through, but maybe and- in
2: this I have to interrupt because maybe it's not about the word compromise, and maybe we shouldn't be using that word. we should be saying what which piece is going to add more value, so it's not at this point it's not saying and 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 maybe that's when we got to get back from individuals going with the collective, and yep. maybe it goes back to this whole concept of. If we go at this point, uh, are we going to be willing to go, what is the result we want and which is going to be the most beneficial to get us to that result first? So it's less about you, me, and more about what is it that we are actually wanting at the table. And I think, and, and I didn't mean to interrupt, but I feel that this is part of our issue is that. Like I heard you even earlier on uh, when you came on and you said, you know, I can't even remember what it was, but it was kind of like you had to put yourself in a box so that people could understand where you're coming from in that way. And I was like, if we use lenses, it doesn't put us in a box. It creates the opportunity for a space where we can start evolving with whatever that is needed and wherever that is needed to go. And I, and I interrupt because I'm actually really struggling with getting this concept across because it's so far from the way that we've done it in the past.
0: So I, thanks for interrupting. You're welcome to yeah. interrupt me anytime. <laughs> uh, and I mean that um, from the bottom of my heart. Um yeah. and, and so tell me if, if it sounds like I'm tracking because mm it sounds to me like a safe space for thinking out loud, saying things that we may end up not wanting to stand behind in all in the interest of collaborating on achieving solutions. And, and I do think that that's, I mean, that's what we need, right? This stuff happens in conversation. If it doesn't happen in conversation, it ends up in conflict. And to to and I think that for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, maybe even by good meaning people, it might have come from the right
2: by good meaning people in a lot of cases.
0: But this whole idea of shutting us down from what is even possible to say, what's like this whole political correctness right. gone askew thing, right? Um, I th- I mean, I'm an external processor, so I'm at, at the greatest danger, <laughs> you know, uh, of that kind of thing, saying something out loud so I can figure out whether I agree with it or not, and then whammo, you know? And, and you know, that whole idea of assume positive intent, you know, that's, you know... Mm. Those things, like a safe space to think out loud, a place where others will listen to you.
2: And everyone else at the table. Here's the thing. Yeah. I think that it's got to come down to us listening yes. to each other, whether we agree or not. But, uh, it, it, yeah. it, but people have to have a voice. They have to be able to say what they need to say, even if I don't think that's important or I have a bias towards it or I've already made my mind up. I think that's the worst thing to do, by the way, if you go to a conversation already making your mind up how you want this conversation to turn out. But I think that that is the norm. And I think that it's much harder to go into a conversation knowing it's a safe space because you are allowed to be who you are and what you're meant to bring to the table. It's why I'm so having these conversations around things like the importance of the muscle of human intelligence. I believe that human intelligence is the data that we have as a human. That's in our brain, that's from our environment, that's in our DNA, that's everything that we bring as a human, our data, the input that we have to the output there and what are we doing with that? What if we came to the, and the other piece of this is, seeing humanity as stakeholders at the decision table, not it's all about gender and inequality. I'm a massive advocate for making sure that we've got the right people and the right, you know, doesn't matter what gender you are at the table. Don't get me wrong. I'm massively behind that. Same with the racial tension. But I think that at first we have to even the playing field, and evening, eve, evening out the playing field actually brings it back to the f- one thing we can all relate is that we're human at the table first. So humanity becomes yeah. the stakeholder. So it's less about what I need and more about what is humanity needing and how we're going to make sure we're leaving behind a legacy that our children and our children's children and whoever else that are coming can springboard off. I think that if we bring it back to humanity and we bring it back to humans being able to think and make smart and trust the decisions that are being made and that we can communicate with each other, but it's Mm. again, sounds so good in theory. How do we actually do this? What would it, what would it need to look like for us to be able to do this? Now I've got lots and lots of ideas and that's why I'm having these conversations because I'm like, okay, if one person can think this, this one can think this, if we join those pieces together, maybe we can come up with this pot of seeing how we can collaborate in more effective ways. Like that's the whole idea of what I'm doing. But, you know, what do you think? Any insights?
0: I mean, I, I think it's absolutely crucial, you know, yeah. and I think that to create like one of the first steps to create that environment is to agree that mm. we can talk about anything yeah, and to stop making each other so small that we can't hear something right? People oh. are big. You, They can handle hearing anything. And if we came in a place where it was okay to say anything, and we're all headed towards a goal, like it's forward the conversation, please. But anything can be said and, and, and people are big enough to hear and deal with anything that's said in that committed environment of moving forward. Yeah. That would be a really big one. And then I also think that one of the one of the pieces that I just miss and long for and mourn is intellectual rigor yeah. in conversation right a- and even even in a space where we're focused on intellectual rigor their feelings have a place that's mm-hmm. absolutely true and mental rigor like where did that go you know that I think that that a space where people could hear anything, we made each other big instead of making each other small and we brought mental rigor. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and th- the cynic in me says it sounds like a really tall order these days, but that's what, but we have that. It's not, it's not, it's not. It's not.
2: It's only a tall order if we think it is. Yeah. And like you're bringing that back up. I think that there is this, this need for us to be able to bring our intelligence at the table. I've had some interesting conversations and one of the things that has really stood out was a lot of us as young people, it was kind of smashed out of us. You, you, If you were thought differently, if you... Maybe question things. It was either you didn't use it. In my case, I didn't use it. The other day I was on a, I I had someone on here and they're extremely smart and they didn't care what others thought. So they just, they, they said it actually ruins so many of their relationships because others didn't get them others didn't connect with them and because of it they were smashed down because of it so we either kind of dumb it down or we 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 smart it up and then and then we're smashed down because of that mm-hmm. how do we embrace the fact that i really want to know your smartness i want to know that you think i want to know i want to know where you're coming from in that way and I know that that's gonna add value to the table. I think it's it's changing that in the framework around that that we need to start questioning how do we how do we actually engage you know i I, I think sorry, I'm kind of being messy here in this myself because I think it's like the the Steve Jobs, you know like I reckon if he was given a space to be that smart side of him that he had without any judgment, without having to conform to the way that you're meant to communicate, maybe we would have seen even more.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that that thing you're pointing to is an important thing to be finding and maybe even more importantly to be creating because I think that is a space that we need desperately And that could make a huge, huge, huge difference, you know.
2: Tell tell me why you think it's so important. What difference would it make if we had a space like that?
0: My take on where we are as humanity right now is that we're in Mm -hmm. an exceedingly precarious place. We, you know, we gave all of, we gave enormous amounts of money and intelligence to companies that, created artificial intelligence that shapes every moment of every day. And it turns out that that AI that they don't even understand so well, decided the best method to monetize was to divide us. Uh, if we don't solve that problem, and, and and it's not just on social media, right? Like that mm-hmm. has now rippled out into the fabric of reality and reality is fractured into how many people are there on earth? You know, that many different shards. Every single person has a different feed. Every single person sees different quote unquote facts. And I, and, and so that space that you're pointing to, I think is an antidote to that incredibly damaging Thing we have going on right now. And I fundamentally believe that if we don't solve what I, what I would call the social dilemma after the yes. movie, yeah, yeah. if we, if we don't solve that, we never solve any major problem on earth again, including things like climate change, you know, right. uh, the water problems that we're having, the energy problems that we're having, yeah. you know, I mean, like, All that stuff is completely out of reach.
2: It blows me away that there are still places across this globe who don't have access to education, don't have access to the water, don't have access to a lot of things that would, uh, you know, we take for granted and we complain because we're we're so not well off. Well, you know,
0: one of the things that I have been thinking about a lot more lately, and it's one of those things I'm scared to say, so I'll just say it here. Sorry,
2: say it. Yeah,
0: (laughs) is uh, integrity and ethics, and what happened to that, and why do we, why do we laud people who are not? They don't have integrity. They don't have ethics, and yet everybody follows them and hangs on their every word and, and, you know, bringing integrity and ethics and, and, you know, one of my favorite people, and this is somebody that a lot of people will hear this and go, Oh my God. One of my absolute favorite people is Sam Harris. And I saw him at Ted Mm -hmm. in 2009 Mm -hmm. speak and he gave a speech called science can teach us what is right. Like science can have an, it can give us answers to morality, Mm. which is just, I'm like, I remember sitting in the audience, listening to this speech, thinking that's one of the most incredibly courageous people I've ever seen speak in my lifetime. And I agree with him. If we look at, what contributes to human thriving? And what if we look at what contributes to human thriving, both on an individual level, on a small group level, on a large group level, and on a planetary level? Because I guarantee you that if we took better care of the people who have nothing, everybody would be better off, including those who have everything right now. You know, and and you know, even if you're a billionaire right now, you can fly around and do a lot more than somebody who's not, but it's still impacting your world that we've that the whole thing's been smashed by coronavirus. Yeah. Um and you know, I just think that if that conversation on what leads to human thriving yeah. and what can what's st- what if that was the guiding light for our policy decisions and the way that we approach things. And, you know, or yeah, what if that was even folded into the conversation some, right?
2: Yeah. Look, here's one thing. I, you know, I'm creating a training around leadership awareness and, you know, using that as one of the fundamentals, I believe, to leadership. And and one of those uh, that I talk about is ethical leadership. Like hmm. what if we were to use a lens or a filter that is around ethical leadership? What would that need to look like? It's been some interesting conversations, and I think this goes back to um, a, a thing that maybe we're losing out, and that is values. Yeah. You know, like we if we have values, then we may be going against the grain, and that may not work whether it's on social media, whether it works in a systemic way, placement that people find themselves in, whether it's corporate, whether it's, you know, whatever it is. Um, And so those values get shifted. And, and in fact, then values get shifted and then even diluted or just dis- destroyed. And there are no values, maybe. I don't know. I'm questioning it. Uh, but I think that, you know, even for myself, I'm finding it really interesting. I have some what people would think is some very influential people who are going, I'd like to have a conversation with you first before we have a conversation here on the decision table or whatever <laughs> else I bring them on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I say, you know, and I, and it's been going in my head a little bit in the last 24 hours because I've had quite a few of them in the last 24 hours. and And I just go, you know what? Part of the reasons I'm having these conversations, and and a lot of the time, I mean, I know you, but there's a lot of time I don't know the people that I'm having a conversation with. I'm meeting them for the first time. Mm. If you are not willing to have just a conversation and us to, to play back and forth, then you're probably not the right peep to be in my world. And I don't care. Like, I literally don't care if you are the Pope and you want to have that pre-conversation with me because one of my values is that I've got to use my time wisely and I only like everyone else have 24 hours a day and I damn want to make sure that I'm using those to make sure that my non-negotiables are in place and that's family that's my bigger vision to what I can bring to humanity and and building and growing and helping others to be educated you know and if I am taking time having conversations to see if we are even going to have a conversation, then why would I do that? That's wasting <laughs> my time, wasting your time. And the fact that you question and I just go, Hey, here's a link, check this out. If this looks like something you'd love to have a conversation on then, and if they walk away, it doesn't matter how amazing they are and who they're connected to. I don't want to have that conversation.
0: Well, you know, I I mean, I'm a surfer, so I could be projecting. But I think one of the values I hear (laughs) under that is go with the flow, right? Like being in the moment, being able to just jump in and engage. And and that is. And
2: connect. It's the connection piece. Because if we don't connect as humans first, then I'm going to put you in a box. Hey, I'm John Bay. I am executive speaking. That's what I do as my, you know, job. That's who I am. That's what I'm about. No, you're not. You're John Bates that is the whole person. I didn't even ask you what you did when you came or told the world what you do because I think that we have got so lost in identifying how the world wants us to be We've forgotten to even ask questions. We've forgotten to even figure out and evolve and figure out what does that look like to be John Bates. Yeah. What do I stand for? Yeah. And what am I willing to be? And I think this goes back to that ethical side of it. If we don't have values, um, then we are are we being ethical in the way that we're and and is it going to be at adva- uh, adding value to humanity, in my case, going forward. Well, I need to know that what are my values, what are my beliefs, what are the things that I am going to say are my non-negotiables. And it's uncomfortable. Like I have to walk away from many an opportunity. I I remember getting a major opportunity to work in corporate. Hey, we have all these CEOs and overflow. You're way better at working with CEOs than I am. Uh, Can you take them... And I said, sure. And then he goes, but the only thing is you need to basically look like a penguin. In other words, dress up in the corporate (laughs) look-like. And I said, how can I teach what I teach, which is that we are meant to be innovating new solutions when I look exactly like everyone else and that I want to create the culture within our organisations that are actually where we want our organisations to go and not look like the same sound like the same and do things the same way so yeah. i had to say thank you thank you and walk away and it was big dollars i was walking away from it at that moment yeah. yeah but but i have to say i have been so grateful uh to to stick to my values and and it, but it's not been the easy pathway and i think that that sometimes we're humanity, you know. Like we, we want that quick pill. We want that success yeah. straight away. Maybe there's egos involved in it, and really, it's more important to be an influencer than it is to actually bring change. Whereas I'm all about the bring change. I hate the fact that you kind of got to build platforms, but I get it. Yeah, and yep, yep. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I don't know.
0: Well, I think that what I hear in in that for myself is. That those values, as much as that, I mean, the, the, the great thing about having your values and being clear about them and mm-hmm. being willing to, you know, I, for lack of a better way to say it, take the hit for them if you need to, is that number one, they magnetize the right people to you to accomplish what you're up to, mm-hmm. the like minded people, the people that will move it forward with you versus stalling you or pushing it back. And the other thing that I think was a huge moment for me is when I realized that everything that I was putting out into the world, I was thinking about it at the time early and what I'm doing now, like a net, you know, catch everything. And (laughs) it hit me. I don't want to catch every fish in the sea. I want to turn all this into a filter that yeah. keeps out everything but the right fish, you know, if you yeah. to use that terrible analogy. But so but no, that's not
2: because guess what? If you had all this fish, that yeah. net would break. Yeah. And, and I'm, and, and I'm, and you'd actually get no anything. fish yeah. out of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. 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 So I think that, that the being true to your values brings, higher you know higher quality interactions and it also gives you a chance even though it was big bucks to say no to something that probably wasn't going to be lighting you up anyway you know yeah um yeah. and i think that like I, I i'm aware of how lucky i am to be able to say this yeah and i'll say it anyway I just don't think that success is success unless Mm -hmm. there's some aspect of fulfillment in it. Yeah. So I think that's another aspect of being true to your values and letting them guide you is that that fulfillment level goes up a lot. too. Here's
2: the the thing about this though. Firstly, you've got to have some values.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) there is that, you know, (laughs) There is that.
2: <laughs> Just a thought. Yeah. <laughs> and and then you've got to believe in your values and stick to them. And then you will, like you said, magnify it yeah. and attract those ones that are right, that will come on that journey yeah. with well, I mean, and
0: listen, you know, if somebody's listening right now and they're yeah. maybe early in their career or early in their experience on earth or or just having or just yeah. are just deciding, you know what, this sounds good. I haven't really thought about this. Yeah. Like your values can morph and change and grow, right? Like hopefully they will just continue to get more aligned with you and and more yeah. authentic and uh, more productive over time. Yeah. But I think that it's really valuable. It's something that I certainly didn't do nearly enough when I was younger is it, I didn't even think about it. Right. Cause I wasn't doing <laughs> stuff like this, but what are my values? You know, yeah. what, what does matter to me? What, what are those non-negotiables? Because there's so much to do and there's so much such a torrent of input and such a torrent of opportunities, good, bad, indifferent, but there's a torrent of them. And once you get clear on your values, navigating that stuff and surfing that stuff and catching the waves that you want to ride becomes so much easier and so much more fulfilling and so much more successful too. Yeah,
2: so true. So, if someone wants to catch the wave with you, to speak more and get the message out, where do they connect with you? Yeah, you
0: know, the best place is just go to executivespeakingsuccess.com. And um when you go there there's a very easy to get rid of annoying pop-up that allows you <laughs> to get my my <laughs> weekly mini training. And I I don't do a newsletter, I do a mini training every week cuz I want to uh-huh provide value. I have so much that's been given to me that I want to pay forward. So yeah. that's a, you know, that's a, a great place for me. And, um, you know, if, if people are, are interested, um, I am going to be doing, uh, you know, over the next year, start I'm doing one next week, starting mm-hmm. Monday, but then I'm going to do them on a regular basis. I'm doing an, sure. a, a thing called powerful virtual leader so if you ah. search powerful virtual leader john bates you'll probably be able to find that and it's a free five-day masterclass because i just think we we need it i you know i yeah. see what's going on out there and i want to make a difference so
2: i love um, that okay so at the end of this um, decision table, I always ask this question because, you know, like I said, the fundamentals to leadership, I believe, are leadership awareness, leadership, uh, ownership, change, and sustainability. Mm. And so part of that. Is today we've had a conversation, we've created some awareness around some amazing. I mean, we have dived into so many deep things. We've been I know both of us have felt really passionate, and we can because we know each other as well, so we can yeah. play uh full heart out on this conversation, yes. and and I loved it, I really truly have, and I think that you know there has been so much um so much droplets of wisdom that have come from this conversation but I also say it's great to have a conversation but what are you going to own from this conversation so my question to you is what are you taking from this conversation
0: it's a really great question and I think that one thing that I'm taking is to think about what could I do you know what could I do As an individual, what could I do perhaps with my organization to create that space that I I don't even know how to describe it perfectly, right? But that space you're creating here, that space where it's the listening that makes it safe, that space where you can say anything and hear (laughs) anything, and we all trust each other to be forwarding the conversation. And yet we're not just preaching to the choir the whole time and and agreeing with each other. And, you know, that is so missing Mm -hmm. and so important that I think, and I don't have an answer on what I'm going to do or, or even have any idea, but I'm going to keep that in the forefront of my mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to think about what I personally can do and what my organization can do. And then the other thing that I'm taking away is, Maybe I'm not doing enough to listen to people that I disagree with, you know? And I don't mean this, the the people that are saying just stupid things, the people that are acting badly, even though they maybe are good people, but they're acting very badly. I don't mean that. I mean, who are some other people in my world, in my life, that I could really deeply listen to, And learn from and maybe start to practice creating that space that we're pointing to from the decision table.
2: Yeah, I love this. This is so, you know, your willingness to evolve. This is what I think is the new approach to leadership where we are so willing to go now we've got this awareness what are we going to do with that and that's where the change is and i think that you know part of that collaborative thing is that if i'm doing it you're doing it mary down the road's doing it bob's doing it then we start shifting it from problem to solution so it it does bring a change so i'm i'm loving hearing that i love uh you know i especially love the conversation where you um I mean, you're saying I'm going to have those kind of uncomfortable conversations with maybe people who I don't agree with. And I laugh because I often say that was just such a stupid conversation. And and I think when we think at such a level and I just as a as a fellow uh, or, you know, a chick who at a long time of my life didn't think she was smart, but realizes she's got some real good smartness in there. Uh, I want to recognize your smartness, too, because I think that uh, and I want you to embrace that side of you because we need to hear more of that. We need to hear some of this thinking that you have so that we can start evolving and continue to evolve along this journey of our thinking, because you don't know what you don't know Yeah. But when you do. I think there becomes a responsibility. And i yeah. that's what I'm taking from our conversation today is that the more you started diving into it and and even though you didn't have it all sorted in your brain, I love the fact you were thinking out loud and working mm. through it mm. because I get to learn from the way that you're thinking or where you're going with that. And sometimes that's the missing pieces to the pathways forward. And I'm always looking for those missing pieces. Yeah because i don't necessarily think that way or even have thought of that thing coming in there but mm. when i hear you doing it and where you're going with this and what you're taking from that then that's that's filling those pieces so for me that's really important now you said something about the what was it the small when we think small or something like how did you wait, say wait, that wait, wait.
0: I, I think it was i think i was talking about how we make other people small yes that one by thinking that they can't handle what we're going to say. Oh, they couldn't. I couldn't tell them that. Right. They can't handle it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a real showstopper. You know, we're going to get far with that attitude. And you know what? It really is selling people small. It's making people small, much smaller than they are. People can actually hear anything. And if you want to think about it a little bit, Like if that if it still worries you and you're still tempted to make people small because they can't handle hearing that, I think the step to take is to focus on how could I say it in a way so they could handle it and so it could land because there's a lot of ways you can say the same thing, right? Hmm. But how could you say it and be responsible for what they hear so they do, they can handle and they do get it, you know?
2: Yeah. And that's what I want to take away from our conversation is how how can I be more intentional, intentionable? I don't even know what the word is. You know what I mean? Have intentional,
0: intention- yes. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite words too, by the wow, way. Wow, that was like for yeah. a
2: dyslexic person, that's quite a tricky it's word. It's
0: very good, yeah. Uh,
2: so have more intention around ensuring that I am making people feel that they are safe, and I mean safe, to be able to be who they are, yeah. bring what they're meant to, to the table
1: yeah. and
2: to have a voice at that table. And I know that my work is all centered around that, but just even when you say the small, I go, who have I made small or felt small because I didn't realize that I communicated it in a way that wasn't beneficial.
0: Yeah. Wow. And I- that, I mean, you know, that's why you are who you are because instead of saying, Oh, I never do that, you say, Where did I do that? How could I be better?
2: Yeah.
0: That's why you are Kiri Marie.
2: <laughs> well, the world is grateful there is only one Kiri Marie because more <laughs> that is, uh, I, a little I, bit I, of right now.
0: I think we're grateful <laughs> that there is one, and maybe yeah. we're grateful that there's only one, yeah. but we're certainly grateful there's one. <laughs>
2: Thanks, John. And I'm grateful for you and for you being on the decision table. And, boy, has this been an amazing conversation. Like, I have loved it, my friend. I've loved the fact that we could go deep. Uh, We love Kiri Murray more. Someone said, I don't know who that is, but thank you. Appreciate you. Uh, But here's the thing. I think that we can keep shifting this style forward. I think that we can go from problem to solution, And I do believe that it is us as a collaborative and a collective that we bring our smarts to the table and we Mm. figure this out and evolve together. And I've enjoyed being able to do this with you today. So thank you and, uh, you know, so grateful for you.
0: Thank you. You're very welcome. It was a blast. Thank you for having me too.
2: (laughs) You're welcome.
1: Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders innovators and movement changers. big love until we see you on the next decision table series podcast episode